Welcome to the third episode of Stories from the Crisper Drawer. Goodbye, 2017. The carrots have finally killed you. We're going to be doing a look back at 2017, a look forward to 2018, and a few other things in between. Who knows? Uh, it's just going to be me, Justin, today, so we'll see where we're able to go through. I made a, actually a little tiny schedule here just because I've tried to record this episode twice already and it hasn't worked out that well. All right, so let's go. Let's go to the first spot. Goodbye, 2017. North Korea. You're still really freaking crazy out there, and you're doing a lot of threats, and that didn't really end for 2017. It looks like it's going to continue into 2018. Although, as recording this, the Olympics and some other events might actually bring them to the talking tables, which could be very good. Yeah, I'm looking at the specifically the tweets about uh, buttons and explosions. Like, hopefully, there's a lot of good four stars in between uh, Trump and launching nuclear weapons. But uh, I don't know. Both sides are use hyperbole way too much and are definitely not being run by the best people in this crisis. Although maybe the combined craziness is going to work out, and that might be a good thing for Trump. Although. <laughs> Looks like uh, you know the Rory, the Roy Moore loss. Uh, was it Roy Moore? Yeah, I think it was. Didn't really end out too well. That being said, uh, Alabama, you'd made the right choice at least from my perspective. The guy had too much questionable baggage, and somebody should have stopped him from going up there and getting on. But that's just me. Uh, when else happened in 2017 that's really worth talking about? Uh, the Xbox One X came out. It's apparently still a pretty good value package for the power it gives. Haven't played with one yet, haven't gotten one yet. If I do decide to get one, I'll update you on that information. Right now, I just have my PlayStation 4 and my Switch. And I'm going to say I'm having a lot of fun on the Switch. Uh, I recently downloaded Gravity Falls Remastered and Gravity Falls 2 for the PlayStation 4, um, as well as playing Gran Turismo, which <laughs> Gran Turismo is really fun. Like, I'm not a big fan of racing games and simulator games. That's something I've started to get into. I'm really enjoying Gran Turismo. It's just coming home and doing those daily, the daily uh, workout is actually fun after work. It keeps me going. It, it's a game that doesn't have the... the the feeling that's going to be here for too long. You play it exactly as much as you want because it's more simulation than it is story. You're not driven to keep going because you need to get the ending. It's like, ah, oh, I just won that race. Okay, move on. And some races are absolutely just ridiculous, like putting the um, uh, the GT level uh, McLarens all against each other in a <laughs> rookie race. It's really fun to watch. <laughs> especially in a track where that's definitely not meant for the cars to be there. Um, but yeah, Gravity Falls is pretty good. I'm actually enjoying it a lot. Haven't played Gravity Falls 2 yet. Haven't finished Gravity Falls 1. Um, no, it's a cool, cool dynamic to be able to control how your character falls. <laughs> I did read a little bit into the Wikipedias and the ETV tropes and got a little bit ahead, so I know all the spoilers, but I'm not going to talk about them here. I mean, my assumption is you either have a PlayStation Vita and can play it, or you have a PlayStation 4 and can download and play it. If you don't... Sorry. It, don't worry, though. If, you're, if, it's, if you don't want to buy a PlayStation 4, it's not a system breaker. It's not a one to make you buy it. 
frankly, I don't think Gran Turismo really is too, but some people it is. Who knows what you stand on. Uh, went and saw The Last Jedi uh, on Saturday, which that would be G- uh, Saturday, January the 6th. It was all right. Um, my personal view on it, it felt longer than it should have been. <laughs> like, they got to a point where the story kind of felt done. And then they added a whole another 20 minutes or a whole another battle scene, which, you know, maybe, maybe wasn't necessary. It didn't feel like continuity was properly thought about or t- pacing. Uh, there were some scenes in the movie that just were there, but you're like, is it worth being there? I don't know. That was just my opinion on it. Uh, still a good movie. Uh, just... It's the first Star Wars movie I've ever watched that I actually was feeling the time as the movie went, which I don't know if that's just my attitude of the movie. Uh, I did read a few reviews prior to it, some that kind of, they didn't really spoil the plot, but they kind of said a few criticisms here and there. I don't agree with some of them, and I did agree with a few, but it just... It could have been better, and it felt like there was not enough people at the helm of that project to direct it properly. It's still a very good movie. It, it had very good cinematic scenes. It had probably one of the best space-related scene, related scenes I've seen in a Star Wars film, bar none. I just wish I could say there was more of that. That felt really good. Uh, it did take its emulation from Episode Five a little bit. In fact... There was almost too much cutting and pasting from episode five. There was the acceptable one with episode seven and four, but even then it was kind of questionable. Like, I didn't like how they just, Starkiller Base was just a larger Death Star. They could have used a better planet killing weapon system design. They didn't need to build it out of an entire planet. Granted, at least it was a hollowed out planet they built it on. So it was a little bit more believable, but still, it's just. It felt too much, and in fact, that in Episode Seven they had a trench run. I mean, of those three movies, Rogue One is currently my favorite Star Wars movie of the current new releases, because the Rogue One felt like the full story. It felt like it was done. It did what it needed to do. It didn't stay longer than it needed to. It perfectly connected the first, uh, perfectly explained how they did that and uh, how they got the Death Star plans. It was really good. I thought it was good. Uh, there's the Olympics coming up this year in Pyeongchang. Uh, spoiler alert, I will not be watching that. (laughs) First of all, just the time period for Canada versus them is absolutely insane. Apparently there's no, at least no NHL level hockey going on. I I heard that from somebody. I don't know if that's absolutely true. It doesn't really matter. I don't watch hockey anyway, but... You know, the only sport I've actually liked watching in, uh, the Winter Olympics was biathlon. And even then, that's boring. <laughs> uh, bobsledding is a Canadian thing, so we'll see. And with the Russia thing, with the Russia expulsion, we'll see how that goes. Because some of those guys are playing as neutral. And I don't know if Russia's team has somehow gotten their way around it. There's also the World Cup of Soccer in Russia, which, you know, a sport I also don't watch, but could be pretty important to for a lot of people in the world. Um, speaking of sports that I did watch. Uh, so last night, uh, January 8th, was the uh, Alabama versus Georgia 
college football game. That was a really fun game to watch. I think it was one of the funner games of football I've watched all year. I don't watch a lot of college football. In fact, I th- that's the third college football game I've watched this year, I think. Yeah, third. I did watch the Army-Navy football game earlier uh, in 20, well, in 2017. So it's the first college football game I've watched in 2018, not the first one of the college football season. Uh, but that was a really fun game. Uh, hey, um, shout out to Rodrigo Blankenship for having the best name and the best glasses. And we will be watching to see where you go. Because <laughs> all we could do all night was make fun of, uh, well, I don't make fun of your name, but like joyfully laugh with your name. And how we are reminded of the most extreme elimination challenge on Spike MXC, which uh, was an amazing show to watch and really does date me. Uh, <laughs> especially with Kenny Blankenship and uh, Vic Romano hosting that. That was a great show. Uh, if you have collections of those DVDs, go into Amazon, see how much insanely overpriced those things are. Like 200, 150 to 200 bucks for a season of that. Unbelievable. And somebody's got them, I think got either all of them or almost all of them up on YouTube in a playlist, which is brilliant for me because that means I don't have to pay anything and I can rip them off YouTube. And I think Spike doesn't even have the production license for them anymore, so it doesn't matter. It actually is kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say abandonware, but it's kind of like abandoned licensing. Uh, I'm fairly certain that uh, when they did uh, Impossible Bukaki or whatever the heck that other challenge was that they brought over. No, that was on G4. <coughs> and G4 had, um, before it went under, it had um, American Ninja Warrior, which then got bought out by NBC which is doing great from what I've been able to see. I don't really watch that, but every once in a while I pop in and my roommate Jeff's either watching it or my parents are watching it when I'm at their place. Still a great show. Uh, going forward. Uh, what are we looking forward to in 2018? Well, uh, the Han Solo movie is apparently still supposed to happen. I uh, hope that works out pretty well. I uh, haven't seen Fargo Season 3 yet. Going to get around to seeing that, which is a great TV show. Um, haven't finished watching uh, The Vietnam War. Watched eight episodes on it so far. That it might be the best documentation of the Vietnam War in the most neutral way possible for the United States. For PBS, I wholeheartedly adore, endorse that. There might be some controversies here and there about why they used this source or why they didn't use this source or something like that. I'm not getting into that stuff. It's just, it's a good, honest look at that entire conflict. But the history of it on both sides, as well as the actual battle, because there was a lot of history there that a lot of people don't know about. And I know a good amount of that. And even then, I'm still learning a ton. And I, my respect for Ken Burns and uh, his team. That is how you should do a documentary series. Also, the absolutely amazing selection of music that's presented throughout it. Both the original stuff that his, the music team made and these music from the from that era, from the, set, from the late 60s and very early 70s that they picked for those stuff. Absolutely, like, just really tells you everything you need to know. And it, it's just amazing. I, I love that. Uh, what else uh, have I been doing? 
I haven't played my Switch as much since the start of the new year. Mostly because I've been playing Gran Turismo. I haven't been playing a lot of things, really. Uh, bought some games on the PC, which I got to get to. Uh, you know, just playing around doing some other stuff. <sighs> they added some good movies to Netflix. We finally watched uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, me and Jeff. Really funny. <laughs> um, I don't know if uh, Nostalgia Glasses are making number one seem like a better movie or if it was just maybe it is a slightly better movie. But they were both fun. And they, what you like, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 was really fun. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 knew what it wanted to be and just was exactly that. And cre- credit to James Gunn and the cast and the writing staff and the production staff and all that. Really good, fun movie. Still kind of mad that they don't have the other two Thor movies on Netflix here in Canada yet. Um, That's kind of annoying, (laughs) to say the least. Hopefully uh, that will go soon. I'd like to watch that because I saw Civil War on here. Uh, Infinity War is coming out uh, soon. I think relatively soon. Uh, That's a movie to look forward to. (sighs) Unfortunately, I don't have the Thor movies knocked out, so I don't really feel like seeing it i want to see what the thor movies are thor ragnarok is supposed to be it was apparently a great film i didn't see it kind of do want to see it it does explain some stuff going on uh spider-man homecoming haven't seen that yet i don't know why spider-man films after the three toby mcguire ones in the early 2000s i'm tired of them (laughs) I'm kind of getting tired of superhero movies, like at least straight shooting superhero movies. And by that, I mean that they got the straight edge. I like Iron Man because Robert Downey Jr. really did play it as a create as like this guy is crazy and slowly getting more and more concerned about the legitimacies of what he's doing, which is why Civil War was a good film. Um, Black Panther's coming out too. Uh, Ant-Man and Wasp, which will probably be a really good film because Ant-Man was... It's one of my favorite comedic Marvel films. If not, I think it is my favorite comedic Marvel film because it, 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 their team really didn't take themselves too seriously on what they were doing. Again, it was sort of like they knew that Ant-Man's kind of a joke character in a way. He's a serious character, but he... he, he it, like the guy, who, how they wrote him was... Not the not the best guy is kind of like a, just a mid level thief or whatever. It was really good. It was really well done. Uh, yeah, that was just me, my perspective on it. Uh, what else is a controversy? Uh, I haven't been keeping too much up on the video game front for controversies. Frankly, a lot of other people are doing way better jobs of that. Uh, do I have a do I have a game of the year? No, I do not. Why? Because I don't review video games. Like, I don't do professional reviews of them. I just play what I find fun. And that could be anything between uh, Final Fantasy XV uh, to Gran Turismo to Gravity Falls to... Uh, well, at least let's let's talk about what the ones I have on the PlayStation 4, at least. Uh, Last Guardian played that. Um, a good time with it. Uh I've not played Bloodborne yet, and that was one of the games I wanted to play on PlayStation 4. That was one of the reasons I wanted a PlayStation 4 when I got it, and I still haven't gotten around to that. That's kind of slightly annoying for me, but, yeah, you'll learn. 
uh, Ace Combat 7, do we... There was something recently that hinted about that. I, let me just quickly pull it up on my tablet if there's anything new or not. Have we gotten anything? Because apparently they've changed their website around a little bit. Uh, now, still saying 2018, just release date. Uh, apparently there's been some pretty nice new images popped up in the last few days on their own website. I really hope we get a good, uh, good release date coming soon. Uh, oh yeah, the, uh, um, there's a lot of good games coming out this year in 2017, I mean 2018. Uh, oh yeah, um, so Project Wingman, which is a fan's tribute to Ace Combat, except it's on, uh, PlayStation. I haven't downloaded that yet. I really want to support this guy, because I think, um, uh, I think it would be a really cool game to play. Looks like this dude is uh, really working hard to make it work. Like he's consistently been updating it. He's a single guy doing it. And frankly, how nice it looks scares. Like it just scares me how well he's done that. Um, Project Wingman, get my support. Uh, at least my tentative support right now. I haven't played it yet. Uh, I'm kind of getting an excuse to play it. I might buy the peripheral uh, thruster and thruster stick and, you know, control stick and thruster pack for the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 4 VR stuff for Ace Combat 7. That was kind of my always dream is I want a PlayStation 4 Pro so I could play Ace Combat 7 with the VR because it's a way to play a fighting, a flight simulator game. And you can also do that in Grand Turismo, which I haven't done yet. Um, hmm. Any major news? Uh Delvec into Grand Theft Auto Five, and I've been doing putting a lot of mods on that. Uh, that's been fun. Although it's kind of stupid, the Gunrunner update damaged a lot of um, tank mods because they used to have like you could have a tank, but then you could have the machine gun on it and like different. I don't know if it was different ammunition, but it would work better. Or you could when you selected it, it would select the coaxial weapon and properly move. And apparently, you can't do that anymore with turreted weapon systems on Grand Theft Auto 5. Uh, the Gunrunner app kind of screwed it. Uh, don't know. I'd have to... Um, I would have to see if anyone's getting around to it. I don't know if anyone's kind of going to be able to fix it because there's been a few guys who have tried and hasn't really gone anywhere. Um, there's been a lot of guys updating stuff. Uh, <laughs> the GTA 5's mod website is actually re relatively... It, it's re it's a really good website. Check out. It makes you feel good. And So is it nice to go into IMFDB every once in a while and see what new guns are coming out and what new stuff like this and new stuff like that and watching Forgotten Weapons and watching InRange TV. And they just finished up Tiger Valley's uh, videos. And I don't... Have they finished up... Um, because Tiger Valley was seven courses, and uh, was it nine, nine uh, courses of fire in uh, in the AK Red October match? Hmm. I don't know. They haven't done. It. Also, I can't wait to see more videos of them shooting the Hudson's nine. Like the guys at InRange TV, Carl and um, Carl and Ian. Like it's just, th th I'm happy I support them on Patreon. It makes me. 
makes me really happy about that. They seem to be doing really well. I'm still supporting Jim Sterling on Patreon, and I could disagree with Jim Sterling a lot on politics, but I still think he's one of the best <laughs> um, games critics out there, and he has some of the funniest takes on stuff. This is the proof that you don't have to politically agree with somebody to absolutely like them, and Jim Sterling is exactly that. A lot of his social positions, I disagree with him on. But be damned, I will support him where, like, I will support his him financially wherever he goes, because he's just too funny. I just I love the guy, and this I came from loving him because I I I found him on the Escapist after somebody showed me uh, Yahtzee C. Croshaw's uh, Zero Punctuation. And then, uh, you know, from them, I found Total Biscuit and the Co-Optional Podcast, which has been great. And just my YouTube lifestyle, finding stuff like that. Uh, what am I watching today besides for TV? Uh, you know, Serials, Mav Secretary is still fun to watch for the political and just for the drama intrigue. SWAT's been pretty good. I like SWAT. Uh, it's a procedural, but it's fun. They definitely are taking having fun with it. Uh, they do, from the looks of it, have a long-term goal of more than two or three seasons. I don't know about that. Mav Secretary, uh, feels like it's coming close to the end. Because, at least from the current episode, there's more hints about the vice, about her running for president. And again, that kind of ruins the show. Oh, yeah, uh, that's something I gotta check on. I gotta check on Amazon.com, uh. Or .ca. Uh, so apparently the WaveBird wireless controllers for the GameCube are now open source, so people are making $20 versions of them when you used to be able to buy them, like the Nintendo authentic ones for like ridiculous prices. Now then, like the not off-name brands are not too bad of a price, and apparently they work pretty good. Uh, same with, uh, which is amazing. Uh, there's some upgrades I'm considering for... Uh, For my um, for my audio setup here, like uh, getting a, sh- a proper, a actual proper shock mount for my uh, AT2020 and getting two with the pop screen properly done. Like I already have these two flexible pop screens, which I like, and I will move one onto this guy. Um, in fact, I the only reason I don't have them on now is because of where I position my mic. And it would make sense to put it on if I was doing more live stream and more active work I guess or more live work but there is a pretty uh, there's these ones that are, that are purposefully it looks like they are purposefully designed for the uh, AT2020 with a clip on uh, you know with, with, with a clip on little unit and I wouldn't mind getting one of those because then it could fit into my shock mount uh it would be a good shock mount with a pop filter that lightly clips onto it. And the thing is with the shock mounts I bought were these $19 ones from Amazon. I think it was newer. Newer or something like that. Let me take a look. Uh, yeah. N-E-E-W-E-R, which is good. Uh, they're good. They're definitely not meant for the Audio-Technica AT2020 size. For smaller mics, they seem to be very good for. So if you had a mic that had less of a diameter, I would say that's a better 
go with, the AT2020 is too wide for them. Now, if you're going to use them with an AT2020, take the AT2020 out after you're done recording and put it away. They don't seem to hold up. I mean, one of mine failed. The other one, I did it for the same period of time, and I've had no problem with it. Am I going to make a claim on Amazon? No, because they're $19, and I think that I got them on a D... Uh, and because I bought them in a pack, I don't think I paid for them. I think they came free with the pack for that one little part, and I'm not really going to care about getting another one. Um, I'm still like, happy with them. If I had known that, I probably would have bought in a different pack and not bought in those ones. Or if I had, I would use them for different roles. If I had different size mics, they would have been better. Like, if I had a regular USB mic, uh, not a Yeti or anything, but a smaller, more, uh, yeah, more action-related mic, uh, smaller, thinner, longer mic, it probably would be a better unit for. They're definitely, uh, they're definitely meant for a mid-sized mic, physical size. So a little bit, uh, I'd say about the diameter of the RE20, by um, EV is per perfect size for it. And then you've got some of the other, um, there's some other mics that definitely fit that area a lot better. So if it's about the form factor of the RE2020, which is a little bit less than the AT2020 form factor, at least in diameter, that works better. The AT2020, you should either get the Audio-Technica shock mount or ones that use the screw in at the bottom, which makes total sense. Like. Why use a clamp-on when a screw-in's better? Like, the clamp-on's a pressure thing that... the It uses light metal that could get memory and could break. I mean, I'm not saying don't buy the newer ones. They're great prices for start. And if you're mounting them the right way, it probably works out great for slightly smaller microphones. Just my... Uh, my personal opinion on that. I'm not saying don't. In fact, I wouldn't... Uh, I would absolutely say that the that uh, there are some great Amazon units worth buying. And oh, hello. Uh, my arm that I have, which is a uh, what's it called? Um, you know the the boom suspension unit that I have. Uh, the new year one I got it. Uh, it's the ones I have there are still pretty good. S are they absolutely perfect? Um, yeah, there's there's things. It's because they fit into this. They clear um, this area with my my desk. Uh, well, the table I have recording here. It has to be so many inches uh, in depth difference. And the slightly annoying thing is, is that a lot of the other ones don't seem to um, get the full height properly. So I'm like, there's a lot of one and a half inch wide clamps for these desk mics, and my desk is definitely like a 1.8 inch wide. And I'm using Imperial here, and I live in Canada, and it's got to be metric but because of how these things are made for the U.S. market, it's mostly inches. Kind of annoying. Um, you know, can we please all go to metric? I think that metric is a generally better system. I understand it for construction with 2x4s and stuff like that because I built my own ha house. Well, 
And when I say that, I mean I actually worked on all phases of building my house. So, you know, I had to cut two-by-fours up for cribbing. I had to cut two-by-fours up for framing. I had to cut um, the uh, joists up to make sure that we had the second floor and the first floor. I had to drill in the holes to mount the micro-lamb, um, which is actually fun using a uh, hammer drill. Fun, but ear protection. And eye protection, especially when that thing gets going really hot. Uh, you know, it's, it's fun learning how things go together. You pick up these issues that you don't normally see as much. So you, you start noticing what to look for when you're building a place or when you're moving into a place. You start noticing, like, well, how do they do this, do this? Uh, little known secret, uh, a very well-done professional house by, very, by... So a top-end painter for a custom tier like I'd say like a, a top tier house builder you should be able to tell that it's pretty good the easiest way look at all the electrical sockets and the two screws should both be facing um, north south I mean up and down they should be that way okay, the slot screws if they're not that's a little tiny attention to detail. Now, I'm not saying that some of the lower-end guys don't do that, too, because it's a good way to make you seem like you've spent attention to detail on it. But it's just a... It's sort of a level that the professionals should. If you come in and you see one is vertical, facing vertical, and one is facing horizontal, if it's just one, okay. If it's a lot of them, you're like, uh, what? Uh, another thing... Uh, Pot lights, uh, specifically par 30 short necks. What is with Home Depot and Rona, which is now mostly Lowe's? They stock a lot of these long neck par 30s. Um, I don't know how many installs deal with that. There must, there's obviously a reason for the long neck par 30 versus the short neck par 30. I just don't know. Like All the ones in my house are short neck par 30s which I plan to transition some of them into LED soon, which is expensive because a regular PAR-30 short neck bulb at 130 volts for 75 watts at a 40-degree angle of, cover it, of uh, coverage is, uh, I don't know, like, I think like seven or eight bucks maybe a bulb for incandescent, for halogen, for halogen, they're not incandescent. It wasn't too bad because I think halogen, like I think incandescent was like 95 to 100 to, it was 90 to 95 percent of the energy put in became heat and halogen. It's like 80 to 70 percent become heat. Like halogens do pump out more heat than light, but it was like percentage wise, they're still higher. There's still better light performance from a halogen than there is from an incandescent. So there is the uh, benefit of having the halogen bulbs specifically in my basement because it does create a better heat source, um, especially since my house only has two vents in the basement. Not too bad, actually. Most of the time, it's pretty good. This winter, it's been very good. Not going to complain about that. But for the main floor, it makes more sense to move towards the LED just because of the energy saving. Now it's it's like the LEDs get somewhere close to like it's ten times the hour life out of an LED version of these uh, par thirties and par twenties and the little guys. 
And if they succeed that, and I've bought in, um, I've changed some of them out for 2700 Kelvin LED lights, have the same white light as a halogen bulb, pretty much. It's the soft, you know, not day super bright uh, blue light or heavy white. It's, it's the soft, more yellowish white. I like them. And if they, I, I know they're a little bit less energy efficient because white light, like uh, yellow light is lower energy and more heat versus blue light is better energy usage and lower heat, I think. I think, uh, not really going to spend a lot of time figuring that out. But I think then that, like, there is a slight trade-off in how bright is it versus the energy use. They're still better than compact fluorescents, and compact fluorescents are also hazardous to health because they have mercury. They have to have mercury inside them. Uh, you know, issues that have to be dealt with. Uh, oh yeah, uh, watch Dunkirk a second time. Great movie, great, great freaking movie. Um, absolutely loved it. Uh, stuff I do want to watch. There was something else I. I I felt earlier I watched a movie very recently that I hadn't seen before. It was just really, really, really good that I should uh, remember looking into. Eh. You win some, you lose some by brain power. I. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess um, congratulations again. Um, I'm fairly certain I already said this. If I did say it, it's because it was in the other. It was in the old episode three. That's kind of screwed up. Uh, congratulations to the 3DS owners who get to play the new Metroid, and that Metroid Prime Four comes out 2019. And for us guys on the Switch, we're getting Bayonetta one and two, which I probably said that again. Uh, I probably said that one episode two because we did watch the video game pod, video game awards. Uh, well, at least I did. But you start picking up these things. You start seeing what you want. You start seeing what you want to do. You start seeing all these cool technology stuff. Um, there's a lot of stuff I'm 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 seeing today. Um, uh, yeah, you, you, from your past that you want, and there's the nostalgia factor of having an N64 and having GoldenEye. I, I have an NES, a Super NES, an N64, a GameCube, a Wii, a Wii U, a Switch, uh, a Game Boy Advance, a Game Boy... Uh, used to have a Game Boy Advance SP, which was great. I think the best Game Boy Advance was that one. Uh, I have a Game Boy 3DS, a Game Boy Color, a Game Boy uh, 3DS... Uh, what was the... Not 3DS, uh, I, have th I have a DS... I have two DSs. I've got the launch DS, and I've got the last generation of the DS before the 3DS came out. Uh, what's that one called? Uh, what was that one called? Um, uh, frick, I used to know it. Uh... I had one. Um, let me go back. Uh, oh, there we go. I'll go that in. 
but yeah, it's like it's having all that, and I have uh, I've got a Sega Genesis. Well, it's a generation Sega Genesis actually, which I'm really happy to have. I've got. I have somewhere a Sega Saturn with only two games. I really need to freaking uh, get my hands on that and find it again. I just like the, the, the Sega Saturn. Even though it wasn't much of a game system, it still was fun to have. Uh, but you, you, you learn these things. You start picking out why you don't like this and why you don't like that. Uh. Huh. Uh, what was that? Oh, that's who it is. Uh, is that item still there? Huh. Huh. Well, I could buy a few of those. Might buy another two of those, um, some more controllers. Uh, some more pro controllers for my uh, GameCube. Uh, s some more wireless controllers for my GameCube and more... Uh, um, and some more wireless controllers for my uh, Wii U. It's kind of sad that the Wii had the, N6, the GameCube backwards compatibility and the Wii U didn't. I kind of felt like Nintendo could have missed them there. Because they, they still haven't at least to my knowledge, released on the virtual console for the Switch even, GameCube games. And I don't... I don't know why. It was a... Like, the, the GameCube is... It's still a pretty good system. Like, I personally thought the GameCube was the best system of its time period. I have a PlayStation 2, which which has one working controller. That's another thing. I should get some more controllers for my PlayStation 2. Isn't it weird the PlayStation 2 still only has two controller spots, slots in it, prior to going wireless? Prior to we all going wireless, which was with the Wii, the PlayStation 3, and the Xbox uh, 360? Like, the Xbox and the and the... GameCube had four controller spots. And the PlayStation had two, and if you wanted more, you had to buy an expansion piece. Um, just just kind of weird. And I'm not saying it's bad. It's just kind of like, Why? Also, what's really interesting and fun to do is to go through, um, go back and look at some of the controllers today, specifically uh, Sony makes of, like, first-party makes of controllers after the platform stops being made and seeing how their prices have jumped up. Like, just in the last year, the Wii U Pro Controller, uh, let's see, uh, I'm just using Amazon.ca. So, uh, Wii U, um, Wii U Pro Controller. I don't care about charger adapter. So, the, so, uh, 
Okay, so they're not too bad. Like the Wii U Pro Controller is still only about from Nintendo. It's still selling for like sixty-eight bucks. But here's the thing: the off-made, the non-Nintendo-made brand, which is the exact same physically controller. I have two of them side by side: the Nintendo and the non-Nintendo one. Not willing to rip them either apart because I like them. I have a actually I have a broken Nintendo one. I should rip apart. Um, it's only broken because the left uh, joystick screwed up um, in travel. It got dropped. Uh, it sucks. But it's twenty-five bucks versus sixty-three bucks. And I'm guaranteed they're coming out of the same factory. Is the Nintendo stamp worth that price difference? I personally don't think so. And here's the crazy thing. They use USB. Is that old? That's USB mini, isn't it? That's an old mini style USB. Uh, yeah, it uses a USB mini connector. Not micro, mini. The last USB mini device I had, besides from those Wii U Pro controllers, was a five-year-old laptop hard drive, portable laptop hard drive, that then got replaced by USB 3 micro, the micro style with the USB 3, which is a bigger micro with an extra piece on it. That's the only stuff I use that is USB mini. None of my phones post Nokia uses USB mini. USB mini stuck around for a lot longer than I thought it did. And maybe Nintendo's excuse why they had a bunch of USB mini ports uh, in there, or the company they went through had a lot of USB mini ports uh, for that they could solder onto the boards really easily for power. Maybe that's it. But it's interesting that it goes from the USB mini which is an old connection style, and then to get the Pro Controller for the Switch, it's USB-C, which is actually pretty nice. Because, I mean, it's 89 bucks for a Switch controller in Canada. So it's more expensive to buy a controller than it is the game. Unbelievable. But that USB-C wire is understandably like 10, 15 bucks. That is like new market technology. So it does make sense on that. Also, credit to Nintendo for how kind of simple it was to to pair controllers to the uh, to the Switch. You have the Switch in the dock, and you just plug the controller in the USB port, and it's done. No longer running around figuring out if they're connected or not. Because uh, I had that problem with um, we have a Xbox One, not my place, but at a uh, one of my had a um, place I volunteer. We were trying to get a controller to connect to it. We had to update the Xbox One so the controller would connect. That should have been a day zero thing. Like, it shouldn't have needed a patch at any point in time. They should have just ran. But I don't know. Maybe there's, there might be reasons why. I'm not going to fight <laughs> them on that. Um, it took no time to sync up uh, the um, the ones for my PlayStation 4. I think it's the same thing. Uh, there's this... Is there a button on the back, on the bottom of the PlayStation 4 one, or is it a plug-in? I, again, I because I did it so quickly, it, it, it was probably a plug that took no time at all. I think you set it up, and you probably can also plug it in through the USB port and just do it. There's probably a button and a USB port, and the USB port's just instant, like, hey, remember this uh, Bluetooth address? Done. Kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does does anyone? Yeah, 
Just those things. It's just interesting. It's interesting thoughts. Interesting thoughts. Uh, and the same with the N64 controllers. How, uh, you know, uh, let's just take a quick look. N64 controllers. Aftermarket N64 controllers. Uh, 20 bucks. Uh, it only sucks that the my favorite N64 controller style, which nobody makes anymore, is now like uh, apparently if you can find them on uh, you're not gonna find them on eBay. Uh, no, you're probably only gonna find them on eBay. Are apparently like eighty to nine are apparently like a hundred bucks a piece. At least I saw one once, and it was um this one specific generation that Nintendo allowed made. They were a weird controller, um, but they were only they were only two legs instead of three for the N sixty four, so they were better for my hands when I was in um, junior high and uh, and elementary school because that's when I played the N sixty four. Spoiler alert: my N sixty four, my original one, and all its games, which I had a pretty nice library at least for myself. Looking back, there's a lot of games I wouldn't play again. I would not buy. Um, but they were games that I love to play. They didn't cost a lot of money. And uh, I had like 20 so games for it. Uh, oh, jeez. Somebody still has an in-the-box N64 green controller. That w- I remember that clamshell used to come in. Jeez. Like, those were actually... <coughs> Like the <coughs> the Nintendo clamshell back then, the tri shape of it was notoriously bad. That was a waste of plastic. I'm actually really happy a lot of these companies have gone towards uh, cardboard um, cl- cardboard boxes for this stuff. I mean, cardboard you you can't. It's harder to have a viewing window in it, but it's way easier to recycle, and it's better. And the plastic was just, you had to fight with it. Now, I understood that the plastic made sense because you would instantly know if somebody had broken into plastic versus cardboard. Cardboard, somebody can, like, put that reseal back on and make it look clean. Plastic was way harder at doing that. Uh, But, yeah, that was how it was back in the old days. And I, I think that was through the GameCube era, too. I think the Wii was the first time they're like, maybe we should just put everything in box in little cardboard boxes because that way they're not causing as much garbage. Just just my thought. Um, do I have Mario Kart on GameCube? I have to check my library. I've got some games i got to get to. Uh, I probably said this. and No, I haven't said this in any of the podcasts. Uh, Shinmu 3 is supposed to come out this year. I have not beaten Shenmue one on the dream, on a, my Dreamcast, and I have not beaten Shenmue two on the Xbox. Yeah, gotta beat those two just because for the storyline. I uh, my brother was the one who beat Shenmue the original on the uh, on the Dreamcast, and I gotta complete it. It's something to look forward to. Um, hmm. So interesting that N sixty four games, uh, N sixty four systems actually aren't selling too badly. One hundred and twenty bucks a piece. That's still not that bad for an okay using system. Uh, I, I do like how the aftermarket, like post, um, 
post technology, how stuff is, the first tier, first party stuff is always the most expensive. And it makes sense why it's always the most expensive because it's literally coming out of the exact same factory as them. And it's got the, it's got the name. It's got the quality approval stamp. Uh, I mean, are you less likely going to have a bad controller made with a Sony and Xbox or a, um, or a Nintendo name on it with the Nintendo with those seals on it? Probably shouldn't have as high of a failure rate. Probably the ones that don't have a slightly higher failure rate, but is it more like the Apple where it, they run 200 tests and if it fails one, it can't go out, but that one test was kind of like 99.9% .9 of the world isn't going to give a crap about that one test. It was just like... For 99.9% .9 of the planet's population, that is a slight inconvenience that we're willing to work around. But for like that very tiny marginal fraction that might complain, that's enough to make them think like, well, let's not put our name on that product. And some of the, maybe, maybe it is. Which explains why a lot of the stuff comes out of the exact same factory with the exact same parts and the exact same serial number. Remember, uh, well, or like matching serial numbers, not matching, but sequential serial numbers to actual real ones. But it's probably a like once license when it's first generation they're being made. It's got to be licensing once once the object is no longer considered a in production unit. The licensing is no longer an issue, so you can easily sell a game a uh, an old one for you know a brand new made PlayStation Four PlayStation Two controller for nineteen bucks because you don't need PlayStation stamp on it anymore. The guys who are buying it, who are buying the PlayStation 4 technology, they've made their choice of what they're going to buy and what they're not going to buy. I mean, look here. So a PlayStation 2 uh, controller, the PlayStation 1. So there's one called uh, Nexilux, um, Nexilux, which is, which is uh, $18 dollars. Canadian. You can buy the PlayStation 1 from PlayStation 2 with free shipping, which I actually don't think is from the Sony store. It's a secondary one. For brand new, $117 Canadian. Why is there a massive price difference there? Well, it's obvious why there's a massive price difference. One's got the Sony name on it. The other one doesn't. Yet there's another generic Sony one uh, that isn't that bad, and yet there's a Sony blue one that's only 40 bucks, which isn't that bad. I don't know. Just, it, it's interesting. I've got these two. I don't know if they were that good or really, or they might be legitimately bad. Sony uh, PlayStation uh, 2 wireless controllers. I kind of would like to, uh, like, they just, they sort of work, they sort of don't work. They might work better here than in my old place. Uh, I'm willing to give them a shot. Least I can do is see if they work or not. Um, they're these fat, uh, I think, I don't know the brand. I'd have to take a look at the brand name of them. kind of don't want to just like shoot them down before I say they're bad. But They have the notorious problem of um, with their uh, plugs like, overriding each other all the time so unit so slot one would think it's in slot two or whatever i don't know just yeah. stuff to deal with stuff to deal with uh actually 
speaking of that, uh, does any, let me see, uh, PlayStation 2. Controller uh, extension. No. F let's see how much the four-player adapter. If 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 it's uh, oh so there's uh okay so that's not too bad. So the four-player adapters are um. So some are official, which are completely sold out. Uh huh. Uh, PS2 four player. Let's see how much are these going for. Uh, the aftermarket ones apparently aren't that good, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, the Sony official one wasn't that big either. It just was weird. Okay, so those ones are are still not going too bad on the internet. Um, I guess I would have to see. Uh, huh. I mean, I don't think I have a single game on my PlayStation 2 that's worth having four players for anyway. I don't think I have a multiplayer game. Do I? I do have multiplayer games, but I think it's only two people. And I'm fairly certain I can get but another... I could just get another wired controller if I... If at worst. I, I didn't play sports games back then, so I don't have sports games. The only sports games I have pre that era um, or multiplayer games that are sports-oriented are, are the Tony Hawk Pro Skater series, which I have on the Dreamcast 1 and 2, and I've got three all the way through American Wasteland on my GameCube. Fun games. Um, do I have any other dedicated? No, I don't. Well, I'm at 53 minute and a half minutes, and I've been going on, and a lot of this was about video game technology that uh, I kind of need to look back on. Um, stuff to learn. <laughs> but you buy stuff. like I'm honestly surprised how much technology still exists in the marketplace post a product shutdown. Like they are no longer making that generation. And and it's just, it, it's it's fun to see this is actually happening, that we are seeing this stock, these old things at least from my point of view, from gaming, able to be accessible again. Because these companies are allowing their restrictive patents or quality control, not restrictive quality control, but their restrictive productions to be, like, they realize it's out of date. The people who are playing this are, collect are their collectors or old enthusiasts who are willing to spend the money on the new stuff too. Because before it was completely forced obsolescence like you don't you need to buy this version because we don't do that anymore and the, I think there was a fear back in the old days specifically in the 90s and maybe even early 2000s where the the old where the video game age was average bridging just was old teen to young 20 and I think when I graduate high school the average video gamer age was between 25 and like the guy who's going to spend a lot of money was between 18 and 30 which were people who had usually low cost of living, but high disposable income. So the game companies started realizing that there th that wasn't the threat of buying the old stuff was not the threat of the new stuff now. And we're seeing this. PlayStation 4 Pro is still going for PS4 Pro, uh, at least in Best Buy in Canada. 
is still four hundred. Is still five hundred dollars. What's the Xbox One X? Xbox One X, uh, which I know is going to be expensive as well. Uh, five hundred bucks. Uh, five ninety nine plus tax. So that's six hundred plus tax. Uh, VR. So the PlayStation VR units at Canada. Uh, three hundred bucks, almost as expensive as a PlayStation Four, if not more expensive than some PlayStation Fours. This technology is still very expensive. Like, uh, and we're seeing that we're seeing people who are definitely like we do have people who have much more of the disposable income to afford buying it. Now, is the PlayStation VR headset even close? To um to the Oculus Rift and to the uh, HTC Five, I think there is a dramatic difference between. I haven't played it. I know that there is a power difference between the two, and the graphics fidelity of um the PC ones are at least cons- are at least better. That being said. It's about the experience as well. And if the experience can be done right, and they know what their limitations to play within are, and they do that very well, then it's not as noticeable. So a lot of the VR games I'm seeing right now, at least for the PlayStation 4, uh... So there's there's some that have VR add-ons like uh, that are full games like uh, Bravo Team is full VR, Skyrim for VR is a full released version of the game because they had to rewrite it. It's just interesting because I think the modders on the PC could have done that without much problem, and it probably could have been modded into the original Skyrim if Sony was willing to have that as mods. Wow, um, closing in an hour here. Um, but some of these experiences aren't too bad, like. Um, 50 bucks for a VR game, if it's good. $59 for EcoFlight. Uh, that's a group game. You don't really, I don't know if there's a lot of single-player content there, so that puts, that's concerning on that. Um, PR for Job Simulator, and Job Simulator is also uh, a code, teaches some coding. Uh, the bundles are interesting. Uh, it, it's crazy that the VR headset itself in Canada, uh, the bundle headset costs the same as just the headset. So the bundle with the, specifically the Gran Turismo bundle with Gran Turismo the game, the headset and the camera costs as much as just the headset and the headset and camera bundle. Now the Doom one is $499, so it's still expensive. And I really do hope that price comes down. But the Doom one is at least like, I don't know if it's worth 100 bucks more than the Gran Turismo one. If you're going to get the Gran Turismo one, which is apparently still sold out, which is crazy, um, but that's not too bad. Because Gran Turismo is a $80, it's a $70 game in Canada. It's not worth the 80 bucks, but it's a $70 game that's got a lot of good content. And so far, I haven't seen any paid DLC yet, at least on my end. There probably is some, just knowing how these games go. But the way that they've been updating it makes it feel like it's a, there is enough there to make you feel like you're buying the full game versus the shell of it. And the, 
they reward you a lot. It doesn't feel arduous to get new cars in Gran Turismo. At least my feeling. I've been doing uh, the track challenges. And it it's gotten my driving considerably a lot better. So credits to that. Um, I'm just learning to do how drifting and uh, dirt driving in the uh, driving school, which I'm sucking at. It's the last line of the intermediate. And I don't think they have hard out yet because they, they'll re- I think they're planning on releasing hard maybe with the FIA license tracks that are going on. Like, I'm not sure what their release list is, but they've, they've told somebody knows what path they're going on. That being said, though, considering that game is worth the full $70, and Doom, that's a forty, that's a thirty dollar game, is a hundred dollars more for the pack. That's a price disconnect there that I can't believe. Like, do I think that Doom for VR is worth it? Like, I'll pay three hundred bucks to get my VR headset. I do not want to pay four hundred dollars to get Doom as well. I do not want to pay another hundred bucks to get Doom, when. That bundle is $300. It's it's $400 to get the headset and the camera. And then it's another, so it goes from $400 to $500 to get the Doom versus the same price, $400 plus tax, to get the the, uh, Gran Turismo package. The Gran Turismo package is sold out. Why did it sell it? Because it has the best price, and it's probably the best game for it right now. There's a few. There's a few. Uh, I do know... Uh, I don't know personally, but um, there is uh, the. Oh God! How do I say this? The from like Jim Sterling, some of the other people who have tried it. Apparently, the PlayStation One has the best form fitting for your head. Oculus is pretty good. I've t- worn the Oculus and I've worn the Vive. The Vive is definitely uh, at least my opinion, the Vive was too uh, too overdone. Oh, that's the difference. Okay, so these wireless GameCube controllers uh that I'm seeing, like, I don't know where you select the channel on them versus the originals. Because the original ones had a wheel in it. These ones don't seem to have that. Uh, not that that's a negative. I mean, apparently these things work pretty well, so that's a good sign. Uh, I know the original WaveBirds had a... Um, I mean, let's take a look at the uh, the other version by... Like, how do you... Like, there's no wheel on these things to select, so they must either auto-detect to themselves. Uh, Hmm. Huh. Well, that's good. Apparently Mario Retro actually keeps their quality up, so that's a good thing to see. Uh, I wonder... I, I just like the platinum ones better, silver or platinum ones. That's my opinion. Uh, but yeah, it, it's... it's uh, Again, 
the way how things cost today, um, specifically uh, going forward with the uh, technology that's going, uh, it just makes you question uh, the sellers and the price they're pointing at. Okay, so the Gran Turismo ones are now, f at least on Amazon.ca, are well above $400. And the Doom one is well above 500 Somebody has the PlayStation 4 Pro unit. Uh, Skyrim one is actually cheaper to buy Skyrim on Amazon than it is to buy on Best Buy. That's great. I love they're still selling the... Uh, these stupid um, move controllers. The move controllers from PlayStation 3. A pack of them is 120 bucks. I don't know why that's possible. Like, that, that shouldn't be. Especially when the HTC Vive is now 800 Canadian. And I think the Oculus is 700 Canadian. Like, uh, let me just see. Uh, uh, virtual reality. Let's see what the virtual reality is. Uh, so HTC Vive is 800 Canadian plus tax. The Oculus Touch units just themselves is 130 bucks. And I think they are cheaper than that. Uh, Uh, if Amazon's still selling Oculus Rift. So Oculus Rift right now plus touch is $530 Canadian. That's a package deal um, through one of the companies that's reselling them. And yet some Oculuses are s somebody selling an Oculus for $1,200 Wow, that's insane. Like the vibe just just to me seems it seems over uh like it, it seems overbuilt. Um like apparently it is slightly it is better. Uh but but it it, <clears throat> it seems overbuilt. Their their controllers might be a little bit better for gun handling at least uh, I haven't seen a lot but the Oculus sensor camera is still pretty pretty uh, like you still need the sensor cameras you still need certain things to make sure you're working good and I, I understand that and this technology is it's going to come down in price but it still takes a while and I get that um, it's interesting that you, you can buy this replacement uh, strap system for audio, which apparently does make it better for the Oculus. I mean, not for the Oculus, for the uh, Vive. Because the Vive is a lot of straps and stuff. It, it seems like it wasn't super well thought out. Or at least that they had the front of the unit, the face unit, and they didn't realize how to mount it onto there. It was almost like it was a helmet system first, and they had to bring into a, something that was a little lighter and wearable. Just my opinion. Uh, what the frick? I don't have my phone down here. I Somebody sent me a message. That's kind of creepy. Oh, never mind. 
Uh, what's this? Huh. Oops. Uh, oh, am I? That's what it is. It's a dude perfect video. They apparently just put one out yesterday. Real unfortunate. <laughs> I'll have to watch it. Uh, I am going to say that uh, I do like me, me and Jeff, my roommate who was on episode two, we do like Dude Perfect. Those guys are really cool. Uh, just some of the shots they make are unbelievable. I do like how every once in a while they do the videos of showing how many attempts they have to do to get that actual, to get that one go. How sometimes it's first try, sometimes it's like 50, 60 tries. They work hard at it, and they try to make it work out. And I, I, I respect that. Banged my mic mount. Uh, well, I think that's probably good enough for a uh, episode. I'm going to take you upstairs. I'll edit you tomorrow morning, and you should be up by the weekend. <laughs> well, thanks to anyone who listened to this. It w was really a hour and nine-minute-long monologue by me. And you'll probably start hearing more of these because I'm going to try to get, like, one episode out. Mate. Like, I'm going to try to get an episode out at least, like, hopefully once a week going forward. I haven't knocked out a time when I'm going to start doing it. But Tuesday night seems like the most logical night, if not Monday nights, are going to be easiest to do. Um, depends if I have a guest. Like, if I'm going to have a guest on, I'm willing to do it any day of that week when the guest has the time to come over and do it. When I'm not working, I, my schedule does kind of prohibit me from that. I have two, only two days off, but I always have nights free. So if a guest is willing to come over, uh, besides from Wednesday nights, any nights, it's pretty easy to get this thing set up. Uh, I am planning on expanding, getting another uh, mic so I could do three people, potentially four. And we are looking into making this a YouTube podcast where we could stream to YouTube. At least just a thought. Uh Kind of need a better computer and camera to do it, and that is an expensive endeavor to go down. If all stuff works out, because I'm now, for my personal job, I'm looking like I'm going to get some more hours in. That's going to give more uh, money for me to both save and to spend on other projects uh, related to this. So it might make the live streaming part easier to do, or at least an easier pill to swallow at the start. Uh, but who knows? Uh, this has been your third episode of Story from the CRISPR Drawer. Twenty, goodbye, twenty seventeen. The carrots have killed it. Bye.